We're studying the book of Ephesians. Hallelujah. And last week we left off in studying the book of Ephesians. We have made it in all these weeks clear up to chapter 2. Hallelujah. I mean, lots of weeks, but just in chapter 2. This is, I, this is my favorite, always has been, uh, book in the Bible. Um, I think as a church, um, you know, uh, wouldn't mind, you know, the, the, the church at Ephesus in Revelation. Remember, we even started by talking about them. Uh, they loved good doctrine. Uh, they understood some things. Remember, the Lord said, but don't lose your first love. And so, we, uh, do y'all love Jesus tonight? I love Jesus. You love Jesus. And so it's interesting, you know, we've been slow going here, but as I'm reading, and so I do want to start in Ephesians chapter three, verse one, because we left off with in whom, verse 22 of chapter two, you're built together a house of habitation of God through the spirit. So that's where we left off. We were talking about worship and building a house and we did all that. And so that means logically we would start in Ephesians chapter three, verse one. And so let's read. We're just going to read together. Is that all right? So they'll put it up. We're going to do King James. For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge of the mystery of Christ. So remember, in chapters 1 and 2, we talked about the mystery. What is the mystery? Well, the mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The mystery was, uh, I don't know, Wesley, are we a little loud tonight in here? Um, it could be just me. My ears may have popped. Hallelujah. But I uh, just want to check. Um, and the mystery is also that if the devil would have known um, he would have never crucified the Lord of glory. And then the mystery is that the Gentiles would, and this is the main one he's talking about, that the Gentiles, that's you and that's me, unless you're of Jewish, you know, real heritage, but we're all now Jews engrafted in. But he's, the real mystery was that we would be uh, a family, that we would be born again. Um, that was a mystery that nobody ever understood. There are clues about it, but it was hidden, and these mysteries culminate together to be the church. And so Paul is talking about that in Ephesians here, that, that he made known the mystery. Um, and he, made no, he gave knowledge of the mystery. Verse 5, it says, Within other ages it was not made known unto the sons of men. It is now revealed. And so we've been talking about revelation knowledge. We looked at that in chapter 1. We looked at that in chapter 2. The Bible is not meant to be read as a history book. It, uh, ministry is not meant to go from my mind to your mind. That's called religion. And it's very dry. And it puffs people up. Makes them argue and fuss over the littlest stuff. But what the Lord wants is revelation. Remember, we prayed in Ephesians chapter 1, y'all remember, that the eyes of our understanding would be flooded with light. Revelation is so important. Revelation doesn't start in your mind. You must renew your mind. With the word of God. But revelation is of the heart. Revelation is a knowing. And you've got real revelation on something when you try to share it with someone and they're like, and you're like, you're not getting it. Because it's alive to you. When you get a revelation that Jesus is the healer. 
when you get a revelation that Jesus is peace, when you get a revelation of something in the word of God, it's alive. It's fresh manna to you. And when you try to share it, and you should try to share it, just don't get mad at them. Because it's like, I, I can tell you, sometimes I just want to jump up and down and shake y'all. And yet I know you're getting it. And sometimes you have that revelation, and the Lord can increase revelation to you. But he is the revealer. The Holy Ghost is the revealer. And revelation is what you and I are supposed to have. So it says, that was made, not made uh, known unto men, and is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Now that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs in the same body and partakers of promise in Christ by the gospel. So I told you that. Wherefore, verse 7, I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me. And so I have to be careful not to stop there. But I think we've touched it a little bit and we're touching it on Sunday morning. God's grace to every one of you in this room. Remember we talked about the apostle Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. And people are arresting that scripture today and they're making it try to say something that it's not. God made no one to sin. And what he calls sin, just a new culture can't change it. There's not coming a word 2.0. There is not an update coming. This is it. And he's always right. And if you disagree with him, you're wrong. He's right. I didn't say if you disagree with the preacher, you didn't disagree with the denomination. I said if you disagree with God and his holy written word. And you got to understand, this is the holy written word. It is inspired by holy men, by the Holy Ghost. They wrote it down. It's correct. You have the Bible. You have the word of God. And this grace, though, every one of you, I remember we looked in First Peter on Sunday morning, but we've been talking about grace even on uh, um, Wednesday night, is that he's given every one of you a gift, a grace. So everybody say, I have a gift. Say, I have a grace. What does that mean? That means you need to use it. And he said, well, yeah, Pastor Mark, I have a gift, I have a grace, let me preach. Well, you know, be faithful somewhere else first and hang out for a while and uh, we'll see, you know, what God does. But, you know, um, uh, um, I'm here and, and, you know, I'm, you know... And that's just the way it is. But um, you know what? I didn't start here. I didn't start here. And I'm not impressed by alphabet after your name. And neither is the Lord. It's about revelation. Not information. It's about a heart. You know, I've been pastoring for a long time now. And so I'm getting older. And I'm a little freer. So there's a whole lot more truth and nonsense. I've watched people for 30 years not get into their place because they refuse to do other grace things that they have. Do you know, I didn't start out here. I carried suitcases for my spiritual mother. I had my face stuck to a window and her luggage full of shoes she didn't need on the other side for 10 hours in a car. I worked book tables. I caught. I was the usher. I had to endure tea parties. The cucumber sandwiches were good. 
Don't you love a good cucumber sandwich? I mean, as a guy, man, I'm not supposed to say that. You know, oh, no, I like ribs. But I really enjoy those little cucumber sandwiches. It's just all that I had to do to endure to get them. And I had some attitudes problems. I don't know why we're talking about this. We're talking about grace. You've got one. And you've got some. The Bible, really, it's grace is plural. Um, I was a good usher when I was at Ramah. Called to preach from my mother's womb. But I had to be found faithful. So these graces, well, I'm just going to wait. No, you have to activate your graces. And your grace to serve doesn't leave you when you go to work tomorrow. That grace will work with you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, just to help somebody out, because we're talking about it on Sunday mornings, and who knows where we're going to get to tonight. Um, But, you know, I had to make some adjustments. Um, When I was at Bible school, the Lord very clearly spoke to me and told me uh, what I was going to be doing. And I knew I was going to be an itinerant minister because he said to me, three or four, no more. What does that mean? He told me when I first started out, don't hold any longer than three a day or four-day meetings because this is what he told me. Because he's pretty plain. He said, you don't know enough to do any more than that. Okay. But you know what the truth of the matter is? I rarely had a two- or three-day. I mean, um, you know, it wasn't doing a whole lot of extended meetings. I mean, it hurt a little bit, but it was true. Right? And, uh, right, and so I'm expecting to do that right away because the Lord spoke. But, you know, I go back. He sends me back to my hometown, to the cornfields. And the first thing he wants me to do is be a youth minister. And in the church that I attended, uh, some of you heard this story, but somebody needs to hear it. Because, listen, if you're frustrated because your grace is not activated, it's because you are a parked bus. For the most part. you got to do something. The Bible says it's required of a steward to be found faithful. Faithful with your money, faithful with the graces that they've given. You've got to do something. I didn't sit around waiting for the big invite. Although the Lord is funny. I can tell you stuff. I'm going to tell you some stuff tonight, I guess. I've, I've been praying and getting like, Lord, give me something. And he just didn't give me a whole lot tonight except just trust me. So I'm trusting him right now. Are you all trusting him? Somebody in the room better trust him. Hallelujah. For utterance. But, but um, I didn't, when he called me to be youth pastor, asked me to do it. Didn't ask me to do it. He told me to do it. Sometimes he asks. Sometimes he tells. He told me to do it. But you know what I said back? I said, I thought I was called to the adults. Where are all my meetings? You said three or four no more. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Daddy Abba, I'm ready. Do this youth ministry thing. Well, in the church, there were two youth and a room that was a junk room. And I could tell you stories and stories. But you know what? And I fought the Lord on it. And I didn't do it. And the worst attack that I have ever had in my life came upon me because of my disobedience. To use the grace that he had given me. Even, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. See, there is something about this, you know, in our circles. We love all the, uh, you know, all the promises of the Lord are yes and amen. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I'm not making fun of that. That is right. But there's an obedience side that we've got to get back to. If you're really going to make it, you've got to obey. Not only the written word of God, you've got to obey the promptings of the Holy Ghost. And part of this obedience, this grace that he's talking about right here, he said, I was given that grace uh, you're all given a grace. Everybody say it again. Say, I got a grace gift. 
Well, yours may be something big, but you're going to have to start where you're at. Well, I already started, and the Lord moved me. Well, you're going to have to start again, baby. And it's just the way it is. But if you start again, you've already been there. You can, you can get there a whole lot faster. I told this one couple who left one time for a part-time. They were with us. and uh, They moved to uh, another state. And I remember telling them, I was like, well, don't worry. You're not going to get to sit too long because the cream always rises to the top. And uh, that pastor is still mad at me that they don't go there anymore. Hallelujah. Um, but, but they did. Everybody in this room, why are we doing this? Because everybody has something to do for God in here. Amen. Well, you may not be a preacher or a teacher. You may not be a worship leader. You may not be this. You may not, but you have a, a supply. And if you're waiting for the grand invitation... To do the grand thing, it's not going to happen. You've got to be proven faithful to God and people. Amen. So after fighting God and then finally giving in because this grace deposit was in me, um, I found out when I finally obeyed, I loved those kids. I worked with those two kids and I loved them. And they became 25 just almost that quick. And some of them are in the ministry today. And when the Lord moved me on, I guarantee, I trust, I tell you the truth, I would have stayed there all of my life in that little cornfield town, in that little room with whatever kids I had. I loved it. But he moved me on. When I started traveling you know, with Mother Nancy, I call her. You know, I did everything um, and just helped her. And for the first few times, first few trips, I didn't do much. I just helped. I got her water. I ushered. I did, I did exactly what she said in the prayer line. And then um, I had learned that, you know, you just be faithful. And so then I graduated from Bible school. And so I'm helping her lead a team to Brazil. And I get on the plague on Varig Airlines, and I'm looking very forward to my Guarana. If you've never had Guarana, I recommend Guarana. Um, and I'm looking forward to going to Brazil to all the meat restaurants. I, I, oh, so good. Hallelujah. I'm looking forward. And I am looking forward to the ministry as well. And, and, and I'm helping lead this 20-member team. But I'm telling you all this is because at first I was very natural about this because I, even after Bible school, I'm thinking serve. I'm thinking serve, serve, serve. That's all I'm going on this trip for. I'm here to buffer her so she can preach because we're going to do a large crusade, the 30,000 people, whatever. But I'm here to serve. I'm not expecting anything. So I sit down on the plane, and the Holy Ghost said, and we're going. the first church we're going to is in Rio de Janeiro. And it's a church that seats 10,000 plus. And I sit down on the plane, and I've done two sermonettes at Bible school. Brother Hagen called sermonettes by miniettes or something like that. I mean, they were just two 15-minute things, um, and Mama Nancy didn't know. I think she thought that I'd been preaching for two years or something. But I'm sitting on this plane, and the Holy Ghost says, get ready. She's going to ask you to preach. And I was like, who, me? Lord, we're going to a big church. And so, you know what, for the first four or five hours, you know, I wanted to watch a movie. I wanted to drink Guadana. It was free. And the Holy Ghost kept saying, I, she's going to ask you. 
So I thought, well, what would it hurt? So I pulled out my sermonettes because that's all I had. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus, that was my sermon. Pulled it out. I studied it. Got it back in my heart really strong. Nothing. She didn't say anything. And so we're getting ready to go to the meeting. And I thought I'd missed it. So I was happy. I was like, shoo. And I got everybody. I didn't do anything different. I didn't. I, I got every. But I remember getting the 20th person on the bus because we're getting ready to go to this church. I'm the last person because that's what the leader does. I'm helping her. I'm the last person. She looked at me. She said, you are ready to preach tonight, right? And I said, yes, ma'am. And then, oh, then I went into robo-tongues. Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, to myself, of course. Didn't want to let them see you sweat. It was grand and it was glorious. And it was amazing. But I didn't pick that. I didn't look for that. I didn't position myself for that. That just happened. And that trip was glorious. But then the Lord decided, I'm going to help somebody in the room today. I don't know who I'm helping, but I'm going to help you all. Because it doesn't matter what you do. But now remember, I'm a young boy. I think I'm 13 years old. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm 29, 30 years old. I have just preached my first sermon in a church of, that holds 10,000 people. I don't think there was that many there. I think there was only six or 7,000 there. Then the rest of the trip, I am leading half of the team. I'm preaching in churches. We're having miracles. People are getting born again. Demons have been cast out. Um, I mean, it is popping. It is happening. I am thrilled. I have made it to the ministry. Now, I come home to the little Illinois, and that's what sounds better today instead of Illinois. Yeah, I made it back to Illinois. <laughs> this just sounds wrong. Illinois and so I, have, I had pre-scheduled this meeting to be one of my first preaching things. Don't know why I'm telling this. I know it's the Holy Ghost. Everybody listen. Because this, this is me preaching, but could it be you about a business? Could it be you about a career? Could it be you about serving God? Could it be you in a relationship? Because it all works together. We don't have a sacred life and a secular life. We have one life. And so for me, it's preaching examples. I have other examples, but preaching examples. And we're talking about grace. I, didn't, I have other stuff I, I want to get to. So I'm scheduled to go to this church that I have done. And the Holy Ghost gives me a message. And it's a good one. I think it was on the authority of the believer. And uh, I pull up. I didn't know this church. I pulled up, and I got in there, and there was like, Seven people there. I had just preached to six, seven thousand, and church after church of people literally hanging in the windows. I was young, y'all about now don't throw anything at me. I was very young. I got there and I had a hot burning message. I mean, it was I the Lord gave it, it was hot. And I knew it was hot. And I got there. And I said to myself, as I'm about to get up to preach, I'm going to save that message for a bigger crowd. Yeah. You know what the Holy Ghost said to me? And it's seared. Who do you think you are? And I said, nobody, sir. 
And I got up and I preached my guts out to those seven people. One woman got filled with the Holy Ghost. A man who I later found out was a relative of my dad instantly got a deaf ear open. And Mark Garver learned a valuable lesson that he will never forget. I have a grace and I cannot withhold it to myself. And any opportunity I have to use it, I'm going to use it. Doesn't matter if there's two people there. And that came in handy when I started this church. Because y'all, all y'all, you were not there for a long time. Whoever I'm talking to, whoever it is, it, it, it could apply to your business. It could apply to your family. It can apply to your career. It, can, it definitely applies to serving God. Don't withhold something to wait for something bigger and better. Use what God has given you now. And guess what? In God, I'm sorry to tell some of y'all, you don't get to retire. Well, I'm going to let, you know what happens all the time in the nursery? We get a bunch of people coming in, and some people have been in there, whoo, my replacements are here, I'm out. You know, and we need more because the churches keep growing. Everybody say no retirement from God. That was good. Hallelujah. I enjoyed that. Did you all enjoy that? <laughs> Wherefore, I made a minister, verse 7. According to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me, oh, who has less than the least of all the saints, is this grace given. That I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known the church's manifold wisdom of God. According to the eternal purpose which is purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so here, uh, well, in whom we have boldness and access and confidence by the faith of him. Wherefore, I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. So this is where I'm going to start my sermon tonight that I have prepared. All right, here. Are you ready for my sermon? Inspired by the Holy Ghost. That one was all Holy Ghost. That was all. Uh, and I hope, listen to me. I'm, I'm not going to take it back. It's a mahalakia. nakoluko. Nagarite Mahase. Vesemanche Komputa Nagan Rastulu Brevete. Some of you don't understand why I seem to be withholding from you, says the Lord. But I am not withholding from you. My hand is open to satisfy you. But I need you to obey, and I need full obedience and compliance. For I have things for you in this hour that if you could see them, you would rejoice greatly over them. Have I not said it, and is it not true? Do you trust me or not, says the Lord. So some of you, if you're new, that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it talks about tongues and interpretation. Um, I grew up in a denominational church, and I think if somebody would have spoken in tongues, I would have probably passed out. And most of you are familiar with that, but we're getting new people all the time. If you're not familiar with that, 
1 Corinthians chapter 12, it's a gift. It's called a manifestation of the Holy Ghost. And I gave a tongue and I interpreted it. And so that's really, it just it's the Holy Ghost just saying something to, to bring forward. And how he does it with me is while I'm preaching, um, I just get an unction of tongues and I interpret it. And so uh, I hope, I trust that you'll understand that. Um, and this is a believers meeting. We're mostly all believers in the room. And so that's uh, why that's going to happen. So, so the Lord is really serious about this other stuff that we just talked about. Again, come on. I want everybody to say, say I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. And, and everyone to say, I have a gift. I have a, gift. I have a grace gift. Have a and I'm going to use it. So quit holding it back, Right? Quit holding it back. Do something. Do something. Let God use you. Oh, such a blessing. And as a whole, this church, y'all are the helpingest, servingest bunch, givingest bunch. But I think the Lord wants to take us to the next level. And part of that is being a witness to people right now. Because everybody, like uh, that was uh, that segment in the in the, the uh, video announcement was from Bible Institute graduation, and that was an utterance again by the Holy Ghost. It wasn't tongue interpretation, but it was utterance. And um, you know, everybody wants to be served, and it doesn't matter, you know, how big anybody gets. Um, I love the term servant leadership. Amen. Jesus came to be a servant. Y'all, I'm stuck on it. I know this is Sunday morning stuff, but I'm just stuck on it. Jesus is a servant, and I'm here to serve, and you're here to serve. I'm here to serve you. You're here to serve one another. You notice I didn't say you're here to serve me. You're here to serve one another. Oh, oh my goodness. Help me. Hallelujah. I'm going to have to hold my wife's hand or something. i got to get going. But listen to me. Um, I, I've been around a while, and I've watched... And I, get, I see, understand that people get kind of discouraged by it. Because when, people, when serving is taught, it's about serve the minister, serve the minister, serve the minister. I appreciate everything you do. But if you really want to serve us, then serve one another. Amen. Because while you serve one another, that serves us. Again, I don't need anybody carrying my books. I got two hands. Now, if I, if I, got, if I got five books and two briefcases, I might need a helping hand. Do you understand? Serving one another. People say, how can I help you? Serve one another. That's how you can help me. Help God. <laughs> Jesus needed, needed his disciples, and he needs you. Come on, this is Wednesday night, and everybody in this room serves one another. Amen? Amen. Let us move on. Okay, let's get to the sermon here. For this cause I bow my knees. So this is a spiritual prayer prayed by Paul. The Ephesians 1 prayer is more uh, well-known. Books are written about this one. This is, but this is a prayer that Paul received from the Lord that he, can, that he prayed for the Ephesians, the, the church at Ephesus, and he prayed, and so he's praying for us. For this cause I bow my knee unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with all might in the inner man, that Christ would dwell in your hearts by faith, that you would be rooted and grounded in love, that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you might be filled with the fullness of God. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that works in us. According, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages with uh, w world without end. Can I get an amen? Amen. So, th so this part, I want to talk to you about this inspired prayer. Now, in our circles, Ephesians 3.20 is famous. That's right. 
right? And it is true, you can pull, uh, you do uh, topical sermons and you can pull this out, and I've done that before. But I want you to see this in context. So we've run into all this, and then he's like, I want to pray for you. The end thing is, I want you to know that God, that Christ dwelling in you will cause you to have an exceeding abundant life. And so we're going to look at some things that come into that exceeding abundant life. But it's supposed to be a life. It's not just necessarily a prayer. And that prayer that God answers and he'll do it exceeding abundantly above all we could ever ask or think. Because a lot of people, and it's true, when you pray a prayer, God, and, and you meet the qualifications, so to speak, or you believe, he will do exceeding abundantly above, above what you requested because he's just God. He's a running over kind of God. Come on, he's a more than enough God. He's, a, he's Jehovah Jireh. Come on, he's all those things. And this exceeding abundance doesn't have to do with just finances. And that's what a lot of people use it for. But really what this is meant to be is the agape. It's meant to be the overflowing life. It's meant to be John 10.10 all day long. What is John 10? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you may have life. Zoe. What is that? The God kind and quality of life. What is that? It's an overflowing life. Because God doesn't have just enough. Our cups should be running over. Our cups should be running over. We walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but we're just walking. And we're going to get to some green pastures and some still waters. He's made a table for us, even in the very presence of our enemy, and it has abundance all over it. In other words, it's just like, you know, when you're, when you're young, like three or four-year-old, they first learn how to uh, pour milk in their cereal. What do they do? you got to have some paper towels. Why? Because it's going to overflow. Because they want it to the brim and they don't know how to stop it. That's like God. That's like God. We limit him by our belief. We limit him by how we think of him. He is not a natural father. He's a heavenly father. And he, there is no variable. Like Pastor Belinda was saying, there's no variableness, no shadow of turn with him. Come on, every good and perfect gift comes down from the father of life. I mean, he is an abundant God. And it is true that he will answer your one prayer abundantly, but I think it's bigger than that. I think it's bigger than that. It's the zoe. It's the God kind and quality of life that Jesus. So we're supposed to be experiencing this abundance all time, all day long, every day. I lost some of you. Well, I can just believe for one thing. Well, but I'm telling you that I believe this is what it is. And so right here it says, so he prayed and, and uh, to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 15, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So this is talking about you and it's talking about me, that he would grant you according to the riches, the riches of his glory. Well, don't get me stopped right there. We'll never get past the riches of his glory. How many of you know it's Christ in you? The what? Hope. What is that word, hope? Confident, joyful expectation. Christ. What is Christ? The anointed one. It's not Jesus' last name. Christ means the anointed one. It's the anointed one in you, and it's a joyful, confident expectation of the spiritual material that Adam and Eve were clothed with that is what is in heaven, that is God. God is glory. So what does it say? I'm praying for you the whole family, that he would grant you according to his riches of his glory to be what? Strengthened. How many of you know the Bible says greater is he that is 
than he that's in the So the greater one lives in you. How many of you know Romans says that the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead, the same spirit, Romans 8, 11, the same spirit that raised Jesus up from the dead will do what? Quicken or make alive. How I many the spirit of God, when it, when it was all settled, when it was all finished, the Holy Ghost went into the bowels of hell and raised Jesus up from the dead. And at the same time, he raised you up from the dead. And that same spiritual power, the Holy Ghost that raised up Jesus from the dead, will now quicken and make alive. Listen to me. If you and I would let the Holy Ghost quicken our mortal bodies like he wants to do, you talk about abundant living. You talk about abundant living. You talk about abundant living when you've got the nature and the power of God flowing you through you from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Sin and condemnation and every evil thing the devil tries to throw at your body, it doesn't have a chance against the glory of God. It doesn't have a chance. I mean, something's got to go and it's not going to be God. Hallelujah. So 1 Corinthians 3, 16, 6, 19 says you are now the temples of the Holy Ghost. What are you? You have now the gathered presence of God. You don't have a little bit of God. You got God on the inside of you. You don't got a dab of God. You got God on the inside of you. You got God on the inside of you. God lives in you. God lives in you, and, and not just a portion of him. You've got the creator living on the inside of you, and you are now. He said, I'm no longer going to live in things made by men's hands, but I'm going to be to you a God, and you're going to be to me a people, and I'm going to live in you, and I'm going to dwell in you. Come on, God lives in you. God lives in you. You're the temple of the Holy Ghost. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Woo! And that power will strengthen you. Back in Ephesians 1.19, he said it this way. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who to believe? That power is working in you. Then Colossians 1.11 says that we would be strengthened with all might. Colossians 1.11 says strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. It's not just power. It's his glorious power. Notice the word glory in there. That is not in there by accident. It's not a side thought. Glory is the power of God. Glory is what covered Adam and Eve. There is coming to the earth such a knowledge of the glory of God that it will be like the waters covering the sea. What does that mean? The Lord's coming for a glorious church. He's not coming for a weak church. He's coming for a glorious church. A powerful church. He's not coming for a religious church. He's not coming for a confused church. He's not covered, coming for a church that has its attention on other things. It's, he's coming for a church that is full of power in the last days. I want to be a part of that church. Do you want to be a part of that church? Amen. That's the church. It's the last day's church. So what's God doing in the last days? Well, he's still doing the same thing he's always done. But I'm telling you what he's doing. He's getting his bride ready to be adorned in glory. His glory. His power. And you can't do that in your own strength. That is only a spiritual thing. And yes, spiritual things, you know, I teach all the time. You can get every spiritual thing, you can make it, not, it affects every daily thing you do. Sunday and Wednesdays are not God days only. Monday at 7 o'clock when you get out of bed. Monday at 7 o'clock when some of you are stuck up on Highway 72 or getting in the arsenal. That's a, have a God moment. Get in the spirit. Hallelujah. And you won't fulfill the lust of your flesh and you won't yell at anybody. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So it says here, 
he would grant, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with all might. Everybody say, by his glory, I am strengthened with all might. What is that? That's the power of God. By his spirit in my inner man. So where are you strong? In your inner man. If it's not in your inner man, it will never show up in your outer man. If you're tired, if you're weary, if you're grouchy, if you are frustrated, if you're fed up, if, you, if the news makes you mad all the time, if other people make you mad all the time, then you need to get back in the glory. You need to get back in the spirit. Because that's where your strength. Listen, the enemy knows what he's doing this last hour. Um, he knows he can't stop the return of the Lord. But he can just mess with the body of Christ while they're being messing around. And so we have to really concentrate on this. Is our strength is in the inner man. It's spiritual. But then that strength, what did Romans say again? It will quicken even your mortal flesh. And a lot of times people will use that, and I agree, you can use it for healing. But in context, it's talking about keeping you out of sin because you have a flesh. Does anybody in the room have a flesh besides me? We all got one, right? And it didn't get born again. But you're supposed to do something with your body. I said you're supposed to do something with your body. You're supposed to do something with your flesh. All right. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. You know, we don't live by what we see. We walk by faith, not by sight. And you as a church should understand that. That you being rooted. So you and I have to do something. We have, what does it mean to be rooted and grounded? To me, that means like building your house. Being a doer of the word. Rooted and grounded. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then and only then will you ask what you will. There's this union, being rooted and grounded. But it's interesting. He said, being rooted and grounded in love. You all know, God is love. God doesn't just love. God is love. So love is a pretty big deal to our Heavenly Father. I know a lot of times we, some people make faith the biggest deal. But your faith doesn't even work. Unless you have love. The Bible says faith works by love. And these three remain. And the greatest of these is not faith, love. Do we downplay faith around here? Oh, no, you hang out with us. We'll teach you how to believe God, how to receive from God. But love is the greatest of these. So doesn't it make sense that the devil would work morning, noon, and night to get you out of love? Because he can read too. And if he knows that faith works by love. You know, the devil knows Mark 11, 22, 23, and 24. But the devil also knows verse 25 and 26. Not many faith people know verse 25 and 26. They just know Mark 11, 22, 23, and 24. But tw verse 25 and 26 talks about what? If you have ought against your brother. Get up from your place of praying your prayer of faith and go get it fixed. God is serious about walking in love. Listen to me. If you don't understand everything or you don't like what somebody's doing, uh, you, you know, one of the worst things you can do right now is just open your mouth and join in with them. You need to walk in love. And sometimes love just be quiet. Now, sometimes love will tell somebody that you have access to the whole truth, nothing but the truth, without any flowers in it. Because they're going the wrong way and you don't have time to mess around. If you're about to run in front of a semi, I'm going to tell you. 
because I love you, right? You know, if your clothes don't match, I might not, I just might let it go because that's not going to end anybody's life. But don't, please don't ask me stuff if you don't want to know the truth. We've worked out stuff here where it doesn't hurt, um, but both of us, both ways, you know, no, that's ugly. Get that. No, we don't do that. What are you thinking? You know, um, I'm letting, well, I have heard, I'm letting you out of the house and that. I don't know. But I'm just saying, <laughs> there's, a, there's a way to do it. But, but, but right now, listen to me. Love is the greatest of these. The devil works morning, noon, and night to get you out of love. At home, first with your spouse, at work with your neighbor, with fellow Christians especially, with this, with that. Now, with the harvest of men and women. You know, the Lord told me one time, why is my church mad at the harvest? Why does he, no, that's not what he said. He said, why does the church hate the harvest? I don't hate nobody. Hate's not part of you. You can't have hate in you and, love, and be born again. I don't care what anybody else taught you. When you get born again, that ought to change. I have a living example. I saw it change in somebody. I saw it change. The love of God is real. The new birth is very real. And the new birth, just like God, will make you love people. I didn't say you had to hang with them. I didn't say you had to take everybody out to dinner. I didn't say you had to go bowling with everybody. But you do have to love them. And you have to love your neighbor as yourself. And I told you Sunday morning, everybody's your neighbor. You don't have to agree with your neighbor, but you got to love them. Hallelujah. We having fun tonight? I sure am. Hallelujah. That you being rooted and grounded in love. And then when you get rooted and grounded in grounded love, listen to this. Then you'll be able to comprehend. I wish I could get this to you better. When you really are rooted and grounded in love, then the comprehending begins. If, if you don't really understand God is love and his love, you won't be able to comprehend him. Because he does things different than you and I do because God is love and we're trying to love. We, we, you and I all in this room, we go from agape, which is God's highest love, to those other loves. Don't nobody lie in this room. You ain't walking in agape 24-7. We, we ain't there yet. Even though the Romans 5 and 5, the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. But once you get rooted and grounded in love, then what does this say? Then you can comprehend. What is that? Revelation. You can comprehend with all saints. Then you get to know oh, the breadth, the length the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ. So once you really start working at, and you've gone through Pastor Rhonda's uh, 14 hours of, of, of love walk in Bible Institute, don't, you don't have to wait for that, but you really, this is a big deal. This love walk because God is love, then there's something that begins to happen. So before we get to verse 20, what do we got to know? We got to know that we're, 
this, this spiritual prayer, this Holy Ghost prayer for us, that we would know the riches of his glory, that we would be strengthened in our inner man by the Spirit of God, that Christ, the anointed one, would dwell in us by faith, that we would get rooted and grounded in love. So I implore you, of anything you get, everything is important, whatever the Holy Ghost is doing, but to be rooted and grounded in love seems to be at just such a high or the highest place. And I don't say that lightly. You know, people say, well, this is the key. There are many keys in our life. There's not always just one key that fits everybody unless it's the master key, which works. But... There's different things. Everyone in this room is at different places, especially on Wednesday night. You're just at very different levels, Sunday morning even more so. Uh, people get born again last week, and they're there. And people who have been serving God, you know, 60 years are there. So everybody's at different places. The word applies to you at different levels. But this is what I know. If we're rooted and grounded in love, you begin to comprehend some things because God is love. And then you begin to understand just really how much he does love you. And when you get a little glimpse of how much God loves you, you'll be like, that is, that is too much. That is too much. That is too much. I don't understand how you can love somebody that much. I don't understand why you would do for me. Um, I'm the one that messed up here. Why, why would you just so instantaneously forgive me? Why would you be so good to me? Why would you heal my broken heart? I'm the one that caused my own broken heart. Why wouldn't you just let me live with it? Because that's human thinking. God doesn't think like a human thinks. He is so not us. You know, sometimes we think, well, you know, um, we're made in his likeness and image. But he's not a human being. He, he's God. And his love is not something your computer up here can figure out. When you really start getting the length, the depth, the height, the width of God's love, it will it'll blow you back a little bit. It'll blow you back a bit. And so if we can get into that and begin to do that with one another, then we can start blowing each other back a little bit. And the world out there, you know, I, my spiritual father said it this way. You know, Brother Hagin used to say it this way. And I really like it. He said, everybody doesn't understand tongues. Everybody doesn't understand faith. But everybody understands love. Everybody understands love. Everybody. And, and it's one of the things we want around here at Cornerstone is if we can show people we love them, no matter what they look like, no matter where they've been, no matter what's going on in life, if we love them, we have compassion on them, we accept them, that love begins to break down barriers and allows God to minister to them, allows God to help them. The love of God is amazing. Aren't you glad you experienced it? Could you use a little more? Well, yeah. How do you get there? Study the scriptures. Lord, show me. I, I want to be rooted and grounded. I want to know. I want to know. Woo, hallelujah. We're almost there. And to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you might be filled with the fullness of God. Ah, oh, here we go. So you're supposed to be filled with the fullness of God. I believe that's more than just salvation. Salvation gives you a well. The baptism of the Holy Ghost gives you a river. I think it's even more than that. I, this fullness of God. Ooh, that's hard. God lives on the inside of us, but it's just like the fullness of God. It's hard to explain. But there is a place that you and I can get that we know him. We experience him through his word, through experience. It's got to be first with his word. You can't know God apart from his word. That uh, to know the so so it says and uh, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, and that you might be filled the love of Christ that passes knowledge. So it's not understanding in your brain; it's understanding with your heart. It's revelation that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. What is that in relationship? God is love. And so you're filled with all the fullness of God. You're filled with then the power of God. And then he says, 
so you're, all, you're filled with, say, everybody say in this room, say, I am, I am. filled yes. with the fullness of God. Fullness now unto him that is able. When you have started understanding and experiencing the length, the depth, the height, the breadth of God's love. When you're experiencing the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. When you're experiencing this glory and you understand it, then he wants to take you into a different lifestyle, a different place in him. Because that's what he's saying. He said all of those things, and they're all joined together. There's a little bit of this. There's a little bit of that. There's a little bit of this. There's a little bit of that. And, and the big that is the love walk. And, he said, and then when you, when you start walking that, he said, and now, and now, this is what I'm able to do. Because you have a revelation of my love. Because my glory is living in you and you acknowledge it. Because um, you understand some things maybe that you didn't understand. You're strengthened. Christ, you know that Christ is living in you. You're rooted and grounded in love. You're, you're, um, you're filled with the fullness of God. Then he's saying, now I want to take you to a different lifestyle. And I am able. And I am able. And I am able. Is it for everybody? Is God able to, now see, don't anybody be mad at me. God is not able to do verse 20 for everybody. He's only able to do it for those who are understanding the length, the height, the depth, the breadth of God. Can he do it for an individual prayer? He's God, he can't help himself. He, he's God, he can't help himself. Literally, he does exceeding abundantly above all the time. But he wants you and I to get to where our lifestyle, we go, Wow. This is, my life is more than I could have ever imagined, dreamed, or hoped for. Especially mine, when I was in my early 20s. <laughs> the things he's done for me. No, let's just move aside the ministry. My wife, my daughter, my family, um, my friends, my uh, walking healthy and whole for all these years, um, the fun things that he's allowed me to do. The little boy from the cornfield's pretty happy. But he didn't do it on his own. He had plans to do it on his own. He went and got a college degree, and college degrees are great. But I did all that to try to make myself have a better life. And I had big plans. But God had bigger plans. God had better plans. But he said, well, that's good for you, Pastor Mark. If, you, if that's what you got out of that, then I need to come bop you upside the head. Because what he did for me, what he's that song, what he's done for another, he'll do it again. Right? And when someone gets that kind of blessing, you ought to say, I'm in that same line. God is able. God is able to do exceeding abundantly. Above all we could ask or think. And my asking and thinking's gotten a whole lot bigger than it used to. According, uh-oh, to the power. That word is dunamis. Anybody know what any dunamis is? Acts chapter 1-8. Um, even um, when the, the, par the parable of the talents. In the King James it says he gives five according to his ability. That word ability is dunamis. So there's human ability, but I even believe that's not human ability. I believe that's grace. They were 
that he knew that five could handle five and double it. He knew that two could handle two and double it. And he was going to give the one one chance one more time. But he went and buried it. And he didn't use his grace. Oh, we're back to that. Don't be burying your grace. Use it. I ain't going to go into it because we've already been around this mountain already tonight. But you know what God called that, that guy? Do you remember what he called him? Y'all say it. I'm not going to say it. Hallelujah. He said it. Come on. It's important. And so he brought it back around to that. But, but God wants to do abundantly in you. Just use what you got. Be a blessing. Not just money. He's able. Everybody say God's able. To do what? Exceedingly. Abundantly. Above. All. Exceeding. Abundantly. Above. All. This is a lifestyle, not a one-time prayer. I know some of you think, well, I can just get to work one-time prayer. It would be great. Well, that's a place to start. But this is supposed to be a lifestyle. You're supposed to be going like, wow, God. Wow, again. You're awesome. You're amazing. Well, Pastor Mark, are you saying we'll never have any challenges? No, that's what the glory is for on the inside of you. That's what the strength is for on the inside of you. You're going to have challenges. You're going to have mountains. You're supposed to speak to them and make a move. You have authority in the name of Jesus. But he wants to do big things for you. Come on, can I talk somebody into letting God do some big things for you? How? Because you have a great understanding of love, and then you've got this power. The power is not of yourself. The power is not of you. The ability is not of you. Is there anything wrong with a good education? I, I say get one. That's great. But your education is not going to get you where God wants to get you. His favor is going to get you there. He may even lead you to get educated in a certain area. That's great. We are not opposed to education. I am opposed to thinking your education makes you smarter than God. That's what I'm opposed to. I think God is opposed to it too. Amen. I heard an amen there. <laughs> Say it again. Say, God is able, God is able to, do. to do. Does He want to do? Yes. What? Exceeding abundantly above all. Now you still got to ask. Jesus said, What? You have not because you ask not. He said, Whatever things you desire when you pray, you got to believe. Right? He said, Ask that your joy would be full. You still have to ask. Well, God knows what I need. No, you have to ask. It's a legal thing. I don't have time to talk about it. But you're supposed to ask. But you can even be thinking. I'll tell this and it will go. Sometimes when you're really serving God, you can just be thinking. I'm going to tell my wife. Our first house, we lived, uh, we bought a starter home, a little three-bedroom, two-bath home. And the backyard was bare. And girlfriend loves trees. I like grass. She likes trees. And so she was just sitting in the backyard, and she was thinking, Lord, I'd like some trees. So this guy, this is way back, he said, Pastor, Pastor Rhonda, he probably called you Sister Rhonda, I don't remember. He said, um, you're going to think I'm crazy. But the Lord told me to go buy you not a starter tree, but the biggest oak tree that I could get in the ground. Can I come plant it? 
She said, sure. It's been a while. I want to drive by it to see how big it is. Is it huge? It's been a long time. So it's got to be so many years ago. <laughs> so they have no grass. And then the Lord knows how much my wife loves trees. And so we got to move into the house we live in now. It's a, you know, it's a bigger house. And uh, he got her a lot with, with oh, 57 mature trees. <laughs> Do you know how hard it is to grow grass? <laughs> so my yard doesn't look like, up front it does pretty good. But I'm just telling you, but the first one, she didn't tell anybody. She just thought it. And we couldn't afford to go buy a tree. Are you kidding me? We couldn't. If I would have, we would have had the money that we had, we could have bought a, a little starter oak. An acorn. We could have went and found an acorn. That's right. We could have gone to the property we're at now and found an acorn and hoped it would grow. But the Lord, isn't that funny how the Lord, I mean, he even like questioned himself, but that was just the desire of her heart. When she was a little girl, she was uh, at a friend's house, and uh, I'm telling her stories. She can tell her own, but I'm telling them right now. Um, and they had a, a bridge. The second floor had a bridge you can look down into the foyer and to the living room. And she said, when I have my own house, I want one of those. And so um, I probably ruined this one. Um, but I turned that into a fifth bedroom. The house plan called for exactly that. And she didn't realize it until, she didn't remember it until after I had the fifth bedroom built. And then the Lord reminded her. Which has really come in handy, you know. It's a good closet. And so, uh, I'm just telling you, I'm just, I want to, I'm using her as an example. But sometimes it's not like you have to believe that you receive. You just love God. And yeah, you do have to ask. But there are just times you think it. And he'll go to work on it. Can he do that? He's able to do. Come on, y'all. Get free. He's able to do. Everything doesn't have to be strain of gut. Faith is not supposed to be hard anyway. You're just receiving what he's already promised. Well, I can't believe he cares about trees and parking spaces and bridges, well, then you just don't know how much he loves because he cares about everything. Listen, if he knows the number of hairs on your head, and some of you that's a lot, some of you it's easier to count, but he still knows them. He still knows them. Hold fast in Jesus' name. He still knows them. Doesn't he? So if he can take the time to know that, and the God of who knows there's 8.3 billion people on the planet, and he knows your name, and you can't even get a, go to hell to get away from him, he knows your thoughts. So we got to keep our thoughts pretty good, but he's working. Amen.